Saudi Arabia, the world's number one exporter of oil, the home of a lavish royal family, and also the world's most gender-segregated nation. My name is Lillian Chang. Today, alongside my co-hosts Carrie Ho and Sebastian Law, we will be discussing how political Islam in Saudi Arabia has affected women's rights. I will be examining the history and the influence of Sharia law. Meanwhile, Carrie will be reviewing both the growth of women's rights in Saudi Arabia and also their relatively unpublicized continued oppression. Additionally, Sebastian will be studying international involvement and intervention. Lastly, we will be closing with our reflections and providing some of our own insight. To begin, we must learn about the history of the sectarian war, an ongoing conflict, one that has lasted for centuries, most commonly between the Sunni and Shia interpretations of Islam, which has divided the Middle East, with Sunni being the most dominant. What do you mean by saying that the Sunni and Shia have different interpretations of Islam? What's their disagreement? Well, without going into too much detail, these two sects are separated based on their disagreement over the succession of Muhammad. Their interpretation depends mostly on how they view the text of the Quran. This has led to the rise of political Islam and the efforts to embody their interpretation through culture, law, and action. Unlike the U.S. government, who is relatively impartial about religion and doesn't let it dictate the law, governments who operate under political Islam, to simply put it, make the text of the Quran the law of the land. Political tensions between the Sunnis and the Shias has continued and become more complicated in recent years, as well as perpetuated by ethnic conflicts and the rise of Wahhabism. Saudi Arabia's government uses Wahhabism, a branch of Sunni and the most radical and conservative interpretation of Islam. Strict Wahhabis believe that all of those who don't practice their form of Islam are enemies. Critics say that Wahhabism has led others to misinterpret and distort Islam, pointing to extremists such as Osama bin Laden and the Taliban. What's the difference between conservative Islam and liberal Islam? Similar to many conservatives around the world, like you mentioned, the Republicans in the U.S., the Saudi government is generally unwilling to accept change and reform. To say that they practice traditional Islam means that they are very literal in following rule by rule as stated in the text of the Quran, compared to more liberal Muslims who follow rules more loosely. Sharia or Islamic law is the basis of the legal system in Saudi Arabia. The Saudi model is the closest to the form of law originally developed when Islam became established in the Arabian Peninsula in the 7th century. Under Sharia law, however, in Saudi Arabia, women face many legal restrictions, one that men simply do not face. Their rights are limited and degraded in almost a backwards manner compared to the rest of the world. For example, in Saudi Arabia, by law, every adult female must have a male relative as her guardian or Wally. As of 2008, a woman was required to have permission from her male guardian in order to travel, study, or work. Women also face discrimination in the courts, where the testimony of one man equals that of two women. What's more is that a woman can only obtain a divorce with the consent of her husband, or judicially if her husband has harmed her. Female heirs also receive half the portion of male heirs 
concerning inheritance. At one point, girls were also banned from playing sports. They also faced strict dress codes. The religious police, known as the Muntawa, imposed many restrictions on women in public. The restrictions include forcing women to sit in separate, specially designated family sections and restaurants, and to wear an abaya and to cover their hair. In Saudi Arabia, a woman's life is controlled by a man from birth until death. Every woman must have a male guardian, normally a father or husband, but in some cases a brother or even the son who has the power to make a range of critical decisions on her behalf. So historically in the last few decades, women have been forbidden from gaining freedom from men. So what does that situation look like now? Carrie, has it gotten any better? Actually, the situation has been getting better, but women are still denied basic rights. Back in 2001, women were finally able to be issued a personal identification card. These cards are the only way to prove their identity, especially in legal disputes regarding property issues or inheritance. However, it was not until 2006 that women could get an ID card without the permission of a male guardian. In 2011, the previous leader, King Abdullah, decided to start appointing women to his royal advisory council, the Shura, and also changed the law to give women the right to vote. Additionally, rules were changed to allow women to play sports and compete in the Olympics. In 2015, women were elected to local councils for the first time, and there are now more Saudi women going to university than men. Since King Salman has been in charge, there have been even more changes. In May, rules stopping women from using government services without getting permission from a man were relaxed. In September, women were allowed to enter a sports stadium for the first time to take part in the country's National Day celebrations. And before the news, King Salman was scrapping the ban on driving. He ordered workplaces to provide transport for female workers. In January 2018, women in Saudi Arabia were allowed to watch football in a stadium for the first time. Female fans filed into a stadium in the city. So, I'm curious, in this new day and age of technology, has technology increased the struggle of women, or has it helped enforce any laws? Actually, that's a good point that you brought up, because in my research, Saudi Arabia's mobile app, Absher is used to prevent Saudi women from leaving their country without a male relative's permission. Male guardians use the mobile app to control women's foreign travel and employers to control the travel of migrant workers. Absher also enables Saudis who sponsor foreign nationals to control whether their foreign workers, foreign spouses, or foreign children can leave their country. They can do this by specifying when they must return to Saudi Arabia on exit and re-entry visas by approving or denying their final exit visas. Saudi Arabia requires women from birth until death to have a male guardian, usually a father, husband, brother, or even a son, to obtain a passport or travel abroad. The Absher portal is a government electronic service that allows Saudis and residents to renew passports, obtain ID cards, and apply for or renew migrant workers' visas. However, Absher also allows a male guardian to refuse or allow women and children to travel abroad or obtain a passport. Currently, newspaper and magazine companies are privately owned but are subsidized and censored by the government in Saudi Arabia. The basic law of the kingdom states that the media's role is to educate and inspire national unity. Unfortunately, this causes the most unpopular grievances to go unreported in Saudi Arabia. Hold on, let me get this straight. A year ago, women were not allowed to drive, 
You are absolutely right. But yet after the ban was lifted, 11 other women's rights activists were arrested. When the women were sent to jail in May 2018, they were put in a secret prison where they were tortured and sexually assaulted. So you're saying that if I was a woman in Saudi Arabia, I wouldn't be able to go buy some groceries without my husband's permission? Yes, that is unfortunately the sad truth. And I wouldn't be able to visit my friend who lives in another country without my brother's permission? Yes, and what's more, despite reform, life is still very different for women in Saudi Arabia compared to other parts of the world. Women need permission from a male family member, her father or husband or someone else to do things like apply for a passport, travel abroad and marry, get divorced, open a bank account, get a job, or have some types of medical surgery. They also aren't allowed to appear in public without wearing a full-length black robe called an abaya, which covers their whole body. Hospitals, banks, and medical colleges are the only places where women are allowed to mix with boys or men who aren't relatives. In shops, separation walls have been built to stop men and women workers from mixing together. And in restaurants, any men or women who aren't with their family have to sit separately. It's no wonder why some Saudi women have called it a war on women. But Sebastian, clearly other countries have made more advancements towards protecting women's rights, right? You're right, Lillian, that women's rights have been getting better as time progresses. It is partly due to the rapid globalization bringing new ideas and culture to Saudi Arabia, more specifically, Western culture. Western culture brings about reform and change and is often harmonious with modern values. One aspect of Western culture is the belief that all people should be treated equally, as evidenced in the United States. Western culture has helped to break the social structure, trapping women below men on every field, with globalization. Western values have reached an even bigger audience, influencing press, education, and more. Thanks to that, gender equality is becoming more widely popularized and accepted. Women and others in Saudi Arabia compare their rights to women's rights in the United States and around the world, and see the disparity. A lesser factor in the rise of conservatism may be widespread sympathy with the sense of being victimized by the West, as evidenced, for example, in the continuing displacement of Palestinians in the occupied territories in southern Lebanon. Yet, we must also note that despite the influence of westernization in other developing countries, the rights of women and girls are not respected, protected, or properly understood. Recent actions by Mozambique's parliament underscore this point. A revised penal code, clearly violating the fundamental rights of women and girls, passed through one reading in parliament last December with no signs of dissent. Most shocking being that the speaker and 39% of the parliamentarians are women. Article 223 of the proposed code is entitled Effects of Marriage. It states that a rapist will not be prosecuted if he marries a girl of women unless he marries her for five years. Other problematic elements include its failure to recognize marital rape, nonconformity to the international definition of a child as under 18 years, and incomplete definitions of sexual harassment. Meanwhile, in other areas, such as Sweden, they have made gender discrimination in the workplace illegal since 1980. The Swedish Discrimination Act from 2009 demands that employers not only actively promote equality between men and women, but also take measures against harassment. The act also states that employees and job applicants who are, have been, or will be taking parental leave may not be treated unfairly. There are, however, a few non-governmental organizations 
One such organization that advocates for women's rights in Saudi Arabia is the Association for the Protection and Defense of Women's Rights in Saudi Arabia. This non-governmental organization, based in Saudi Arabia, was started by two Saudi women by the names of Wajeha al-Hawardar and Fazia al-Oyoni. This group grew out of a movement for women to gain the right to drive in Saudi Arabia. However, their last activity was about six years ago. Why do you think that is? Well, as you mentioned before about the current events, the government has cracked down on activists by arresting and torturing them and even killing them. In the case of a Saudi dissident and journalist, Jamal Khashoggi, although the UN has also played a part in the push for women to drive in Saudi Arabia, no direct action has been taken to change the situation of these human rights representatives other than a signed condemnation in the form of a joint statement by 36 countries calling for Saudi leaders to take steps to ensure that all its inhabitants are able to freely and fully exercise their rights to freedoms of expression, opinion, and association. And lastly, to sum up this conversation, each of us will share our thoughts on the plight of women in Saudi Arabia. I definitely felt very fortunate about my situation. I couldn't believe that segregation the women were subject to. I just had to sit back and realize that I am privileged. I have freedom while these women don't. Their choice was taken away from them. I guess I also felt angry because they don't have any freedom and are controlled by men. I mean, think about it. In the United States, legally as a 16-year-old, I am allowed to drive. Yet women in Saudi Arabia, twice my age, in their lifetime, are not allowed to drive freely just because men feel that women are not capable of having complete freedom. This makes it all the more important to bring awareness to the struggles they face. You know, this is part of the reason why women may flee Saudi Arabia. It's just so radical and absurd that in this modern age with feminism, women on the other side of the world still don't have the freedom to drive or travel. What's more is that some women still believe that the restrictions placed upon them are right. Again, religion is complicated. It begs the question where the line should be drawn. Can political Islam be successful? Most importantly, with this knowledge, we can call out the Saudi government, expose the injustices women face, and demand for reforms that support women's rights. We will bring awareness to this issue, and the more people know, the pressure will be put globally on countries to recognize women's rights. It's good to point out that as the world transitions and modernizes, some more slowly than others, religion may begin to change and it is part of the bigger conversation on women's rights no matter what across the board regardless of your beliefs it needs to be understood that women are no threat to man's power just because a woman has gained her powers and rights doesn't mean that she has gained an advantage or more power over men we are all striving for equality and as we understand the importance of women's rights and as well as fight against historically indoctrinated views against women. Now, this is a challenge that Saudi Arabia particularly will undertake, as Wahhabism becomes more outdated and backwards compared to the rest of society. This is not to say that political Islam is the culprit, but like any other religion, there can be adaptations and progression to better meet the values of the 21st century. Our hope is that this podcast will inspire conversations around the dinner table in town halls and more about the oppression women face. Whether, whether it's by sharing the stories of Saudi Arabian women or calling and rallying for change in governments like Saudi Arabia and other developing countries or just empowering those around you. Remember, this is not just your fight or a woman's fight, but it's everyone's fight for a more equal world.
This was Lillian Chang, Carrie Ho, and Sebastian Law discussing the effect of political Islam on women's rights in Saudi Arabia. Thank you for listening.